Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Let's just praise the name of Jesus. Praise His name. Praise His name. Praise His name. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just ask you to touch those that are sick, those that need healing in their body, those that need a miracle, those that are facing all of hell coming against their life. May they tonight feel the power of Jesus' name. May they tonight experience the power of that name. And Lord, we thank you that The power of Satan is defeated by the blood of Jesus Christ and the name that is above every name. We speak health, we speak healing, we speak life. We thank you for healing. We thank you for miracles. Yes, miracles in the name of Jesus. If you agree, then give him a mighty praise right now. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Tell somebody around you there's power in that name. There is power in that name. I believe that. If you have your Bibles for a few moments tonight, I'd like for you to open them with me to the book of Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3. And I want to... Uh, read Luke chapter 3. I'll begin reading with verse 21. Luke chapter 3 and verse 21. Praise God. Are you glad to be in church tonight? I want to talk to you about something I've never preached on, but I saw it recently and I've carried this little thought on paper in my Bible for over a month now. And, um, and I believe that tonight I want to teach about the prayer life of Jesus, specifically the fact that Jesus prayed that that's what really began to stand out to me and what I want to share about tonight in Luke 21. It's amazing what you overlook all your life. And then you read it one day and the Holy spirit lifts something off that you didn't even notice. When all the people were baptized, this is the baptism of Jesus now, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized, watch this, and while he prayed, the heavens, the heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him and a voice came from heaven which said, you are my beloved son and you I am well pleased. Notice in verse 21 that while Jesus also was being baptized, while he prayed, the heavens were opened up. I've seen many pictures and many movie scenes of of the uh, description of Jesus being baptized in water, but I have never noticed when I read that story that Jesus was praying. He was praying to the father before he went under the water. I never recognized that the fact that Jesus prayed. 
He not only was baptized, but he was praying. It's amazing how many times the Bible talks about the prayer life of Jesus. That one scripture said, as was his custom, he went to a place and prayed. Another place said that he kneeled down and prayed. The Bible said in the Garden of Gethsemane that his sweat became like drops of blood Another place in the Bible, it says, and he rose up from prayer. Another place says that he did rise and go pray. And then another place, speaking of Jesus' prayer life, said that he was praying more earnestly. So from the beginning of Jesus' ministry, notice his ministry starts in prayer, it wasn't a few moments later when he goes under the water and comes out of the water that immediately the Holy Spirit begins to lead him and he comes back from a fast and he begins to move in the power of the Holy Spirit and starts all the miracles, starts all of the ministry. But I thought it's significant. Maybe y'all seen it. I, I just didn't see it at the baptism scene that while he prayed, he was he was, out of all the things, you know, really the water baptism is an act of submitting to the Father, but he wasn't just submitting in baptism. He was submitting and he was praying to the Father. From the beginning of the book of Genesis, prayer and communion with God has been a part of man's purpose. A major part of our purpose as being on this earth is to pray. I don't think we are awakened to our assignment in this area like we need to be. I want more prayer in the church. I want more prayer in my life. I want more prayer in our homes. I want more prayer in our cars. I want more prayers under our breath and on, on our jobs. We need to be people of prayer. If Jesus prayed continually, constantly, earnestly, over, he rose up to pray, he knelt down to pray. If he was doing it, he was God in the flesh. And yet he, as I'm going to teach you tonight, so depended on prayer that he just couldn't function in the ministry that the father had given him without prayer. In Genesis 3 and verse 8, I want to teach you something. Lean in just a moment. You might have never seen this, but I believe God's going to open our eyes to some things. Genesis 3 and 8, it said, And they, speaking of Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And here we first get a glimpse, a clue that there was a habit, a pattern of God coming down at the cool of the day, the end of the day as the sun was kind of setting and God would come down and commune and be with the man and the woman that he made and put in the garden. And it wasn't just him there with them every day in a garden at an appointed place they met at a specific time they met together. But they heard the sound, which means 
there was verbal, vocal sound. They heard his voice, the sound of his voice, King James says, walking. The sound of his voice walking. And it's significant that it says his voice was walking, not jogging, not running, walking. It implies an ease. It implies a steady pace. It implies a steady progression. Our relationship with God is not who can run the fastest. Our relationship with God is about a daily walking with him. The race is not to the swift. The race is not to those who can just go wide open. But really the key to to having a powerful relationship with God is the daily walking. It's daily praying. It's daily reading the word. It's daily seeking him. This is the key. It's a a consistency of walking with God, talking with God. They heard the voice, but notice not high in heaven. They heard the voice in the garden. The beautiful thing about prayer is when we pray and commune with God, we don't have to climb the heights to get to heaven. God comes down to where we live. The beautiful thing about prayer is God doesn't expect you to ascend up, but if you will pray, he will come to where you are. And this is the pattern that is laid out in the first communion between man and woman and God is if we will set ourselves an appointment daily to walk with God in prayer, the moment that we make that decision and we begin to talk to him in prayer, God says, I will find you. I don't care where you are. If you will pray and talk to me, I will find you. It doesn't matter where you are. You pray and he'll come to where you are. And I'll talk with you. And I'll commune with you. And it's in the cool of the day, implying the place of prayer is a pleasant place. It's a refreshing place. I, I, I think when I, when I think of that word, the cool of the day, that, that, that the most refreshing place that we can go when we're really going through stuff, and even when we're not, when things are good in our life, it's just a place that is cool and refreshing from the heat of the pressures of life. He says, come to this cool, refreshing place nice place that I prepared for you. I'll ease your burden. I'll lift your worries. I'll unlock you and unshackle you from fear and torment. If you'll just come meet with me in prayer, I'll fill you with confidence and courage. You won't be afraid. You, You won't listen to the voice of the serpent in the garden more than my voice if you will pray. And talk to me. I'll come where you are. And I'll make that place a refreshing in your life. Oh, what needless cares we carry. All because we do not pray. All because we do not seek God's face. Because we worry and we don't pray. I want to ask you a question that that I believe the Lord may come alive in my heart. 
He's given me this little message and it's so simple. I apologize for it, but just lean in. Why did Adam and Eve talk? What did Adam and Eve talk to God about? They had no children. Therefore, they had no problems. They had no stress. Come on. They had no sickness. They had no financial needs. They had no dilemmas. They had no neighbors to forgive. They had no dilemmas, no problems. What in the world did they talk to God about? Sounds like to me, prayer had nothing in its original form, had nothing to do with problems. Prayer had nothing to do with dilemmas and trouble and crisis. In its original state, prayer in its infancy was more about connecting with God than anything else. That's the purest motive of prayer is I just want to be with you. The only reason some of you stay in trouble and problems is that's the only time God can get you to connect with him. And he says, you're doing so well. I'll just keep you coming. You're going to stay in another crisis until you learn how to pray. And if, and if you're not praying, then get ready for a crisis. Because God's going to get you on your knees and get you in the book sooner or later. Those whom he loves, he chastens. And if you, you're ignoring him and you, you're more into social media or the TV or anything else, then, then, then seeking God in his face at least some portion of your day. And there's, you know, and I don't like to preach this stuff because God will do it to me too. Can be busy church stuff. Holy work of God. No, it's not. My number one priority is connecting with God. That's my number one priority. All of that other stuff will be all right if I connect with God. So listen to what he said in, 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 in John 17 in verse 11. This is Jesus praying and he says, I come to thee, Father. Keep those, John 17 and verse 11. Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me that they may be one, listen to this, as we are one. The prayer of Jesus Christ was I want to be one with the Father. Father, I'm praying because it's about being one with you. In verse 21, he repeats it again. Verse 22, he repeats it again. Verse 23, he repeats it again. Make us one, make us one, make us one, make us one. And then the pure goal of prayer, listen to this. You ought to take some notes every once in a while. This, this, is, good, this is good teaching that'll help you. God don't give you a word so you can forget about it while you're eating your burger at McDonald's after the service. Amen. The pure goal of prayer is not that God would give you whatever you ask him for. The pure goal of prayer is that my attitude would be one with the Father. My spirit would be one with the Father. My character would be one with the Father. My nature would be one with the Father. 
My, my, I and the father would be perfectly meshed together as one. So I think like him, I love like him, I forgive like him, I act like him, I live like him, I, I, I serve him because we are one. That is the greatest form, highest, purest motive of prayer. In Genesis 2, God said, man shall leave his father and his mother and join himself to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And then Paul in the book of Ephesians takes the same principle, takes it from Genesis and applies it to Christ and his church. And he says, the only way to accomplish being one with God is to pray. Jesus prayed. He lived a life of prayer. He didn't just teach about prayer. He didn't just sing about prayer and agree with prayer and nod at prayer. But he prayed. The Savior, the Son of God, God in the flesh, prayed. My purpose in prayer is not that my dilemma be solved, but that I become one with the Father. Why did Jesus need to pray? God made... Why did Jesus need to pray? God made him flesh. He was visible. Why did he desperately need to pray to be one with the Father? See, I, I really think what I'm preaching or teaching tonight is so important. How much more, if Jesus had to pray, how much more do you and I need to pray? The gospel presents Jesus, the gospel of Luke as a man. He's more, he has more to say about Jesus' prayer life than any other gospel, the gospel of Luke. There are seven prayer times and seven places where Jesus prayed in the book of Luke. And many of the teachings are there in the book of Luke. Jesus was utterly dependent upon God and manifested through prayer. In Luke 3:21, now when all the people were baptized, Jesus being baptized also while he was still praying, the heavens opened up and the spirit descended like a dove. The main purpose of baptism was giving himself to the purpose of God. The surrendering of his will and his life to the purpose of God. His God-given purpose. He was surrendering to it. And he was saying, God, it's your way, not mine. I'm surrendering my life to you. But when he did that, it was also in prayer. He was saying, not my will, but thine be done. I totally submit to your will. You and I are one. Not only was he surrendering in baptism to God's purpose, but he was praying. While he realized that without prayer, he would not fully accept and do the will of the Father. Hebrews 5 and verse 7 says, in the days of his flesh... 
Jesus offered up supplication with strong crying and tears to him who was always able. He is the head that he shrank not from the horrors of separation from the father. One translation said he cried and was able to save him from death as he was heard because of godly fear. Next verse, hurry. Though he was a son, he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. One translation that I looked at said that he prayed with tears and sorrow. And the thing that caught me about this translation, he shrank from the, that he would shrink from the horrors of separation from the father. Though he was the son, he learned obedience and he suffered. And then verse nine said, he became, whoa, he became He became what? As he prayed, he became. He became. He became. Means that there's experiences that made him something he was not previously. His experiences with tears and praying equipped him completely to be the author and the finisher of our salvation. The experiences in life that he suffered with strong crying and tears and he wouldn't, and he, and he shrank back from the horrors of separation and he kept praying with tears and, and, and heavy crying. The scripture said those experiences, they made him become the seasons of disappointment when he prayed made him become. The seasons of betrayal when he would pray with strong crying about it and pray and wrestle. It made him become what God had called him to be. How did he survive? He prayed to survive. Supplications with strong crying and tears and bitterness. Unpleasant, but oh, so necessary. Have we forgotten that there are times when we're supposed to travail in prayer? We're part, they're part of our development, folks. That when we get along with God and we cry out and we begin with strong tears and supplications, suddenly we mix our disappointments, our pain, our struggles, our trials, our heaviness, our, our whatever it is we're going through, and we mix it with prayer. It's what makes us become what God is wanting us to become. In other words, the bitterness and those bitter moments were met and matched with the same intensity of prayer, the, the same intensity of trials, Jesus would match them with the intensity of prayer. He met with long, agonizing, deep seasons of gut-wrenching prayer, pouring out of himself to obtain the purpose of God. Prayer guaranteed his survival. When Jesus was confused, Jesus prayed. When Jesus hurt and moaned and groaned like an animal, he prayed. When Jesus was afraid in bitter circumstances, he prayed. When he was in stressful circumstances, he prayed. When he was disappointed and disillusioned, he prayed. In private places of prayer, he begged and cried and and conformed to what God the Father wanted him to be. 
God will mold and shape and mature you in seasons of prayer. Your loss, your pain is necessary. I believe sometimes Jesus would pray, I'm disappointed, I'm hurt, I'm betrayed. But the greater horror is to be separated from the Father so the trials that I'm going through will not make me separate from you. They'll actually make me be one more with you. And, and what you have to do is get that attitude that I am not going to allow the stuff that's coming in my life and hitting my family or whatever it is you're dealing with, I will not allow it to cause the horrors of separation from the Father. If anything, it's going to make me pray more than I've ever prayed before. I'm telling you that sometimes your confusion is necessary. Your disappointment is necessary. Your broken heart is necessary. Your, your questions and feeling disillusion that God let it happen is necessary. And what you're supposed to do is mingle all of that with prayer. And somehow God gets in all of that and he begins to make you into what he wants you to be. And out of it and only out of it will prayer cause you to become what he's called you to be. God will mold you. Prayer is powerful. Jesus prayed and so must you. You're going to be used by God if you pray. You're going to be anointed if you pray. You're going to have wisdom if you pray. You're going to have the favor of God on your life if you pray. You're going to have doors that open. You're going to have all that you need financially if you pray. Everything that you need in this life, God will supply. But you get on your knees and you learn how to pray. And you can pray anything in heaven down to earth. Clap your hands and praise the Lord. When you're lonely, pray. When you're desperate, pray. Put some music on and pray. When you've been disappointed, pray. When you're hurting, when you're bitter, when you don't understand. Let me say it to you like this. When God allows the nightmare, that's the time to pray. And match the nightmare with intensity in prayer. As bad as the problem and severe as the problem, that's how severe you are to get in prayer. Same intensity. Let your prayers match your problems. Match it with prayer. That's what Gethsemane is all about. He matched the intensity of the moment of Gethsemane with prayer. And the prayer was so intense that Jesus' sweat became like drops of blood because he was praying with such intensity. I'll tell you one thing, Lord. I'm going to let my prayer match my dilemma, and I'm not going to walk away. I'm not going to quit. I fear 
the horrors of separation from the Father more than anything else. And I can't let this stuff separate me from my time with you. Do you love him too much for the horrors of separation from the Father? When you don't pray, you're experiencing the horrors. We must learn to pray and wait on God. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus spent all night in prayer. He called his disciples out of that place. A prayer. Before he called the 12 disciples, he had 70 assembled. And he knew the next day he was going to choose 12 out of the 70. And he prayed all night. Jesus praying all night. Jesus did not intuitively know the will of God. Wow. Did you hear what I just said? If, if he prayed all night long for the will of God, he didn't intuitively know the will of God, nor do you. Nor will you in the crisis moments when you got a big decision to make unless you pray. If he hadn't prayed, and I don't think he intended on praying all night. He didn't know the will of God. The scripture implies he didn't start out to pray all night. He just went to pray and the, listen, the circumstances demanded a night of prayer. I'm praying until I know God's will on this. And he prayed and he waited on God and God showed up and answered his prayer and told him, I think he picked the right ones, including Judas. So I think what we ought to do is pray tonight. You know, we built that pretty chapel over there and it's, it's, it's beautiful. We're using it and having funerals and weddings and other things going on, staff meetings and all kinds of stuff. But boy, I'd love to see more prayer going on in there. I'd love to see this church begin to seek the face of God in prayer. I'd love to see men and women start matching their dilemmas with the intensity of prayer like Jesus taught us to. I'd love for us to not go to God in prayer all the time about problems and crisis and trouble, but we actually get a revelation of I, prayer in its original state had nothing to do with problems and crisis. It had to do with being with God, fellowshipping with God, being one with Him. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed. 